warms a grandma's heart. So beautiful. Well, I'm excited to continue our message series on the gift of prophecy, for they shall see. And it's such a joy, isn't it? And such a privilege to know we have a speaking God and he has graced us with a gift of prophecy through the Holy Spirit. And so I hope today to encourage you to embrace that gift. You know, a gift can be received or refused, but with the gift of prophecy, my prayer is that you would be encouraged to embrace it, exercise it. You know, that's not just my heart. Uh, (laughs) This is God's heart, which was recorded for us in 1 Corinthians 14, actually, verse one. The apostle Paul wrote this. He said, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Wow, earnestly desire. Some translations say crave (laughs) or boil over with passion for spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Well, why especially that you may prophesy? Well, if you go ahead and read the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 14, it's very obvious. This is a gift specifically given through the Holy Spirit to build up the church. I don't mean church building. I mean us, people, to build us up, to encouragement, bring us encouragement, to bring us comfort, and we all need that. So it's an important gift for us as the people of God. So... I'm going to pray today and ask the Holy Spirit to energize you to receive this gift and be eager to prophesy. So Father, thank you. I'm just so grateful you trust us with your gifts, that you want to continue to speak to us. You want to encourage us. You want to bring comfort. And we thank you. Thank you. And I pray today we'll fresh have a fresh glimpse of how important this gift is in the history of our church, in the history of the church worldwide, and that most of all, we see how it magnifies Jesus and all that he is and has done. In his name we pray, amen. A couple weeks ago, Happy, my husband, and I took our twice-yearly trip to the movie theater. Now, I love movies, okay? I would go every week, except I don't know how many of you have noticed, but the prices are outrageous, even for senior citizens, right? And if it's not the, the admission price, oh my lands, try the concession prices. I mean, and who can avoid the popcorn? I mean, it's, it's like to avoid that temptation, the smell. Well, Happy and I were kind of fuddy-duddies. We take our own snacks. Don't tell the theater. Or we, we eat before, and when we take the grandkids, we're like, we're going to Dollar Tree. You buy a treat here instead of there. I know. Anyway, all that. We, we decided this movie was worth, obviously, spending one of our two yearly trips, and that was Jesus Revolution. And yes, if you've been and you know... For those of you who don't know, um, it is a historical account of an amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the early 70s in Southern California. It moved across the country, and it ended up uh, like thousands, literally thousands of young adults, mostly, many of them drug-addicted hippies, you know, meeting Jesus and being gloriously transformed. And this was a tremendous move of the Spirit that became known as the Jesus People Movement. And it's a very, very impactful movie 
for happy in me, but for two reasons. Number one, we were students at the University of Illinois when this move happened. And while we weren't hippies, we did consider ourselves pretty hip. We were part of the Greek uh, system, sorority and fraternity. But we had no interest in Jesus. We'd actually sworn we would never follow him. And what do you know, through this mighty move of the Spirit is when we both met Jesus and surrendered our lives to him many, you know, 50 years ago. <laughs> and so that's number one. But number two, this movement, the Jesus People Movement, also gave birth to our denomination, the Vineyard Church uh, in the United States and literally around the world. And so I thought this was a very strategic time in this sermon series, For They Shall See, that I share with you some of our history as a movement and as a church, specifically in regards to the gift of prophecy, because prophecy was very, very prominent and influential uh, throughout this move and continues to be. But I want to share five really important lessons that the Holy Spirit taught us, and so I'm calling this Looking Back, Lessons Learned. And I'll first of all give a brief definition of prophecy. We want to, of course, look at the scripture, and then I'll get to those lessons because it's been a very important part of this vineyard, this gift of prophecy. Well, why does that matter to all of us? Well, because we're family, okay? This is our history. This is our DNA. You know, this is who we are. And I hope to encourage all of us to walk away embracing this gift with a stronger faith in Jesus, a stronger desire to flow in this gift. And that is needed because, as I will detail, the prophetic gift is messy. It's really messy. <laughs> now, under the new covenant, you know, we are allowed to fail, uh, as Happy talked about last week. You know, prophets under the old covenant, you missed it, you were a goner. You know, you were stoned to death. But because, you know, we're listening and speaking for the voice of God, right? See, it, prophecy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, you can receive it or refuse it, where words are spoken under the inspiration of God, which reveal both God's heart and his mind for a particular person or a community. Now, at times, it might bring just encouragement. It might bring strength or comfort. It also could give you direction, and it could bring correction and predict future events. Now, I have to be... I want to be real clear, though. First of all, I, I like to quote my son, Jay, who has a very strong prophetic gift, and he says over and over again, it doesn't do us any good to try to hear what God is saying, you know, through the gift of prophecy, if we don't already know what God has said. And so we want the written word. We want to be soaked in the written word. And often the Holy Spirit uses the written word to speak prophetically to us, okay? And more on that later. So written word is very important. But prophecy is not fortune-telling. And I actually have to really reiterate that because I don't know how many of you know this. Fortune-telling is actually getting popular among some Christians, it's very unfortunate because, <laughs> unfortunate, because this is strictly forbidden in the scripture. It's not fortune telling. Well, what is it? It is forth 
telling and foretelling. Let me briefly define that. Forthtelling is where I'm speaking forth God's heart or God's mind for someone. Forthtelling is speaking about a direction, a possible future event, but not in a fortune-telling sort of way, okay? So let me just give an example. I mean, I might look at someone and just say, I see you have a heart of compassion. So I'm calling forth the mind and heart of God for this person. And then I go on and say, and I believe God wants to partner with you in ministering to sex traffic victims. And so I've given both a calling forth and a foretelling where this is how this could possibly uh, be in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so forthtelling and foretelling. We partner with the Holy Spirit to hear what God is saying and then speak it forth. I love what Jordan saying, who was our guest speaker a couple of weeks ago. He taught in the School of Kingdom Ministry and he said this on the gift of prophecy. He said, it's not just revealing what is, as valuable as that is. He said, but it is speaking into being that which ought to be. Now that's powerful. You know, we all know in the economy of God, words are powerful. The earth is created because God spoke and there was light. Jesus spoke and blind eyes opened, right? Words have power. And, and that should help us regulate what we say, but it doesn't always. Um, well, in the same way, this is where the gift of prophecy is so important for watching the kingdom of God advance because we speak forth what we see God doing, what we are uh, sensing is his heart and mind. We speak it forth and God does the hard part. What's he do? He confirms with signs following. He brings change to people's lives or to communities. So words have power. Now, the dilemma with all of this is the prophetic pitfalls are many. Like the path of the prophetic and all my years of flowing in the prophetic and being exposed to the prophetic, I'll just say it's just littered. It's littered with disappointment and it's littered with confusion and lots of messes. We'll get to those. Lots of misses. We'll get to some of those. And even some people's de deconstruction of their faith because they were told this is what God's going to do or this is, you know, what his heart and mind is for you. And then it didn't turn out. I mean, you can, you, know, you can read in history all the number of times the end of the world has been prophesied. Like 1843, uh, then there was like 1988, 1994, 2000, 2012. We're here. We're still here. <laughs> Obviously, it didn't happen. But this is the sad part, is people's lives were damaged. Some didn't go to college because of that. Some, some sold their property. Some moved different places. And all believing that this was an accurate prophetic word. So it, it is a, you know, can be a cesspool <laughs> of a lot of disappointment and even deconstruction of faith. Now, I think that's why the Apostle Paul is so serious when he's writing to the church at Thessalonica, he has this admonition, and I believe it's a very, very powerful admonition for us in regards to the gift of prophecy. He says this, 
1 Thessalonians 5, starting with verse 19. Never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. Wow. And don't be one who scorns prophecies, but be faithful to examine them by putting them to the test. And afterward, hold tightly to what has proven to be right. (sighs) We at the Vineyard Church of Central Illinois, by God's grace, will never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. We never will. And trust me, it gets messy. You might clap now, but you might not. (laughs) Okay. The fire of the Holy Spirit, it's a hot fire. It's a burning fire. (laughs) Okay. But Paul says in other places, don't quench the Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. See, he's a person. He, He can be quenched, shut down. He can be grieved. And then he goes on and he says, and don't scorn prophecies. Well, he's warning us because there's going to be a real temptation when things don't look like what you thought, don't end up like what you thought, and there's messes. There's going to be a temptation to scorn, to get cynical, to say, I'm done with it. And I, I understand that. And that's really why he says, just be faithful. Faithful to examine these words, and that's why we are all about cultivating a healthy prophetic community. You know, we don't just have some one or two prophets, you know, who, who lead. We have a community where we weigh words, we examine, we try to hold on tightly to what is right. Okay, because one of the most prevalent and pressing issues with the gift of prophecy is there are plenty of messes. Things that are spoken don't come to pass like we thought or they don't come to pass at all. And you might have had that experience in your own life. You were given a prophetic word. You you thought you knew. Maybe you made a job change. I mean, hopefully you didn't marry the wrong person, but I know that has happened. (laughs) No, there's a lot of confusion. Well, this is the good thing. It's quite biblical for the prophetic voice, prophetic words to end up looking differently than what people anticipated. And it's not like God's trying to trick us or confuse us, but he wants our eyes fixed on him and listening to him and discerning the truth uh, of what is being spoken. The bottom line, prophecy can be messy. But what the scriptures show us in all these times where we have opportunities to scorn, to be offended, he says, never lose faith in Jesus. Okay, never lose faith in Jesus. Now, John tells us in the book of Revelation, he says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means the witness, the witness of Jesus, like who Jesus is, like what we see Jesus doing, what we hear Jesus saying. If that is prevalent in what we prophesy and the nature of what we prophesy, if it's under the new covenant, that is the spirit of prophecy. That's how we know. Okay, this is a true prophetic word. All right, now, I'm gonna have us open our Bibles or your phones if you want, or just on the screen is fine. Matthew 11, I'll give us a little bit of um, context here. As we look at a prophetic situation in the Bible (laughs) where things didn't quite look like what they thought. 
So let's go back. Uh, under the Old Covenant, as Happy talked about last week, the prophetic gift, one of its primary functions was to foretell, to foretell the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so a lot of the prophetic books are about that and other things too, but that was one of the major functions it was to foretell. Well, in the Old Covenant, or the Old Testament, the last prophetic voice in the last book in the Old Testament is Malachi. He's a prophet. And after he speaks and records, it goes silent for about 400 years. So they don't hear anything. Okay, suddenly, 400 years later, there burst onto the scene a man named John the Baptist. He's very prophetic. He's now coming and he's going to proclaim a prophetic word. And he says this prophetically, repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There is one coming whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay, well, this is some excitement. I mean, it's been silent for 400 years. They've been expecting this prophetic word to come true now for thousands of years, literally. And so the Messiah is here. Oh my goodness, the, the, Oh, yes, he, he's going to do what we've anticipated, right? He, he's going to destroy the Roman government, set up the Israeli king on the throne. Yes, the kingdom of God is at hand. And so people responded. You know, they flocked to John the Baptist. They confessed their sins. They were water baptized <laughs> and uh, it was all good. Except about a year later or so, we're not quite sure of the time, John's arrested He's arrested by the, one of the kings that we're supposedly going to dethrone, and this is King Herod. King Herod is furious. He actually respected John. It was his wife who was more upset, and it's because John said to her very prophetically, it's wrong that you're living together because you belong to another man which she did. She actually belonged to King Herod's brother, Philip. So, so she, he, John gets thrown in prison. Well, now he's in prison. He's like, wait a minute, what's going on? I'm sitting in prison. And so he's very confused. And he's like, it's not happening like I thought. So he sends two of his disciples to talk to Jesus. And this is what he had to say, because he thought, I've missed it big time. I, I thought I had a prophetic word that this is the one we've been waiting for. Okay, here we are, Matthew eleven three. Are you the one who was to come or are we to look for somebody else? Like, did I get it wrong? Are, are you the one? And what's Jesus say? Hey, hold on, buddy. I've got this. You know, any day now we're going to overthrow the Romans. You're going to be set free. No, it's not what Jesus says at all. It's like, okay. John, let me give you the real interpretation of your prophetic word. Jesus says, go and tell John what you see and hear, that blind men are recovering their sight, cripples are walking, lepers being healed, the deaf hearing, the dead being brought to life, and the good news is being given to those in need. And this is the key, happy is the man who never loses faith in me. So you're going to have a lot of opportunities to lose faith in Jesus when things don't look like what you thought. And 
This is the correction that Jesus is bringing. Indeed, he is the long-awaited king. It's just that he brought the kingdom of God and dealt with the real enemy, which isn't the Romans. It's not even King Herod. No, his name is Satan. And Jesus came to usurp that enemy and to free us from sin and sickness and death and poverty and bring a whole new life, right? What does he say? Blessed is the man who's not offended. Blessed, happy is the person who doesn't lose faith in me because it's not looking like what you thought. He brought true freedom, true freedom, right? He didn't bring fiery judgment. He actually took that judgment on the cross in his own body. He instead brought true justice and mercy forever. Wow. The main lesson Don't scorn or refuse the gift of prophecy, especially when things look different than what you thought. Never lose faith in Jesus. And we'll be tempted. I've been tempted through the years. I've been very discouraged and disappointed many times. But by his grace, didn't lose faith in the faithful one because he eventually clears the air and, oh, that's what you meant. Okay, all right, now let's look back. Going back about 40 some years, all right? And five important lessons that the Holy Spirit has taught us as a church. And you're part of us. And I wanna thank those of you who stuck with us through thick and thin, through prophetic words that didn't happen, through disappointments, (laughs) through confusion. Thank you for not losing faith in Jesus, okay? Because that's the key. Okay, lesson number one, you probably already guessed this. I'm going to reiterate what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. We want to always be passionate about prophecy. Not just kind of like, "Mm, okay, if God wants to speak. No, no, no. Be passionate about prophecy. Be eager to hear God's voice. Be eager to have the spiritual gifts flowing among us as a people. Well, not everybody's passionate about the spiritual gifts. I don't think that's a wake-up call for most of you. (laughs) Not. A lot of people, they resist the spiritual gifts. So I'm going to take us all the way back now to that initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the 70s. And, you know, uh, there was a wonderful man of God. His name was Pastor Chuck Smith from Costa Mesa, California. And he was the pastor of Calvary Chapel, And this is all detailed beautifully, actually, in the movie. And he welcomed all of these drug-addicted hippies, you know, not not without some mess, not without some, you know, issues, but he welcomed them. It It was glorious because thousands of these men and women's lives were just totally transformed by the power of Jesus. And Chuck was a fabulous pastor. Now, one of these wild miracle-working, prophetic, drug-addicted hippies was a man named Lonnie Frisbee. Now, Lonnie Frisbee single-handedly won thousands of these hippies in California to faith in Christ through his powerful prophetic gifts, and he had incredible signs and wonders. Um, Happy met uh, Lonnie personally. I never did, but Suffice to say, he, you know, he's a real person. He's like extremely, extremely gifted. But 
he was a part of Chuck Smith's church. Now, Chuck was an excellent Bible teacher, and he was very, um, he, he had real reservations about the open exercise and display of spiritual gifts. And it was legitimate. He came out of a Pentecostal denomination where he saw these abused. And he didn't want that getting in the way of these young men and women learning the word and you know being grounded in the word. So that was all good. But because of that, he confined most activity of the Holy Spirit's gifts to the back room, if at all. So I think it's safe to say he was not particularly passionate about spiritual gifts, although he did a lot of other amazing things. Well, the Holy Spirit gifting in ministry on Lonnie Frisbee was saturated with signs and wonders and the prophetic, and this ended up causing some division with the two of them. And that is even shown in the movie, too, accurately. Well, meanwhile, John Wimber, who would go on to found the vineyard, he was leading a Calvary Chapel church in Yorba Linda, California, and at a local high school. And at this point, uh, Wimber had been actively pursuing healing, but the presence of the Lord was like mainly manifest through awesome, intimate, powerful worship Okay, at their gatherings. And uh, John came to Champaign-Urbana once, and he was in our home, uh, happy in my home, and he shared with us this whole story. Personally, he just said, I felt the Lord was speaking to me prophetically that I was to invite Lonnie to come and speak to his Calvary Chapel Church in Yorba Linda. He said, but I was so nervous because Lonnie is a wild child, okay? And he said, I I don't know about this, but he felt the Lord was telling him, so he went ahead. He did invite him. What John wasn't all that aware of, but there was this whole group of intercessors, praise God for intercessors, and they were praying fervently that the Holy Spirit would be unleashed out of the back room and into the forefront. Okay, so... Um, it's Mother's Day, May 11th, 1980. Lonnie comes to speak. And uh, there's about 1,500 people there. They're, most of them are quite young, young adults. And Lonnie's funny. He's profound. Everything goes great. So John's like, why am I even nervous, right? Okay. Hmm. Well, there's going to be good reason to be nervous <laughs> because uh, John goes to grab the mic from Lonnie, who's just finished, and before John can grab the mic, Lonnie is like inviting anyone under 25 to come forward, which is pretty much everybody there. So there's like this huge crowd, you know, coming, coming forward. And <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And, and so the huge crowd comes forward. And then Lonnie did his famous, his most profound most impacting prophetic invitation ever uttered, at least in my life, and it was this. The church has for years grieved the Holy Spirit, but he's getting over it. Come, Holy Spirit. Almost everybody fell over started speaking in tongues, calling out to God. It was complete pandemonium, <laughs> complete pandemonium. Carol, who's John's wife, she, she runs up to John. She goes, John, this is it. Like, this is what we've been praying for. 
John was like, uh, because all the old fuddy-duddies, you know, like us older people, they weren't so sure. This isn't what they signed up for. And uh, people stomped out, and John was just like in a daze. He goes home, doesn't sleep at all that night, gets out his Bible and, and church history books. He's just like, God, oh God, oh God, is this you? At about five in the morning, he gets a phone call. It's from a Calvary Chapel pastor in Denver, Colorado, a man named Tom Stipe. And he said, you know, I I don't know what's going on there, uh, John, but the Lord woke me up and he told me to call you and tell you, here's a prophetic word, it is him. It is him. Now, that didn't make the mess go away, right? But it was messy. Um, Be okay with messes, right? John went to meet his staff that day, and they're all pretty disgruntled and concerned and weirded out. And this is what he said, and it has defined my life, it's defined Happy's life, and it's a very important prophetic utterance. He said, if ever there is a choice between the smart thing to do and the move of the Holy Spirit, I will always land on the side of the Spirit. You need to know that. And that really summarizes that lesson number two, be okay with prophetic messes. We have to be okay with them, right? Because they're going to be messes. (laughs) And it ended up, of course, defining uh, the vineyard and setting in motion a commitment to never put out the fire of the Holy Spirit, no matter what happens. They ended up splitting from Calvary Chapel. I mean, that was, again, a very, very painful thing. And, you know, we've had our share of prophetic messes over the years, many, many times. But each time, just saying, okay, Jesus, we're going to hold on to you. We're going to hold on to what is right. We're going to stay humble, and we're going to keep trusting you no matter what. Well, that's easy to say, maybe, because you're cleaning up messes, and people can give you a little bit of leeway with messes, but this brings me to the third lesson, and that is this. Be okay with prophetic misses. Like when things are missed, big time. Okay, so in the late 80s, the Vineyard connected with a big prophetic group out of Kansas City, led by a man named Mike Bickle, who was a good friend of Happy and Me, great guy. And as part of that group, there were some very, very gifted prophets. One was named Paul Cain. And Paul Cain and several others had given us fabulous words, very accurate words, miraculous words. And The whole vineyard was deeply, deeply impacted by this. Well, Paul uh, Cain, well, I should back up, just say, I want to give a big plug here. Like there's a whole history, a whole prophetic history, and it's detailed beautifully in a book about John Wimber, his biography by a woman named Connie Dawson. And um, Happy, my husband, has done a whole series of little videos that kind of tell the rest of the story. <laughs> and you can use these in small group or, or just for yourself. Those are available. But it's really good because there's a lot more to the story because I'm going to tell you now a story that ended with a major miss. Okay, so we're all excited. Prophecies are flowing. They're accurate. They're powerful. Lives are being changed. Well, Paul Cain prophesied that there's going to be a major outpouring of the Holy Spirit in London, England in 1990, in October 1990. And 
John told us personally that he felt the Lord confirmed with these words, that the Lord said it's going to be the second greatest outpouring since the day of Pentecost. So happy makes plans to go. I got assigned prayer and fasting at home. And um, that was fine because a lot of us knew that was important. And over 300 people went with John's team. He took his entire family, uh, sons and daughters, grandkids, everybody, because this is it, right? And their excitement was just crazy. Over 50,000 people flocked to these meetings. And it didn't happen. It was a major miss. I mean, people's lives got touched, bodies were healed. I mean, good things happened. But anybody honest knew it was not the second greatest outpouring since the day of Pentecost. Disappointment was rampant. I mean, all of us were just crushed. It was so tempting to just go, I'm done with prophecy. You know, I spent all this time praying and fasting for what? No. Well, this was a major turning point in the prophetic, in the vineyard. John never regretted introducing uh, us to the Kansas City prophets. Why? He said, they brought much needed correction to the vineyard. We, a re-emphasis on holiness and on the gift of prophecy. He said, but his biggest regret was what he saw happening is everybody now is like totally depending on the prophets. Okay, they're no longer praying for the sick, you know, doing Everybody gets to play, which is John's passion, you know, for spiritual gifts. No, they're no longer doing that. And they're waiting for the prophets to speak. And this was very damaging to the vision that the Lord had given to John that no, be passionate about spiritual gifts. You know, that this is for everybody to do the same and greater works that Jesus has done. Okay. Well, that was a, a mess and a miss. And Many churches abandoned the gift of prophecy. The Kansas City prophets ended up going their own way and, I mean, amicably. But it, yeah, we had to be okay with it. We had to still have faith in Jesus no matter what. And by God's grace, we journeyed on. We did not abandon the gift of prophecy. As a matter of fact, we grew, this is lesson number four, hungry for more. Like, I know we're crazy, right? But we want to value that gift of hearing God, cooperating with God, doing the ministry of Jesus. Okay, so be hungry for more. Well, you know, now it's like 1993, 94, and we are starving. I mean, the gifts have kind of quieted down. The prophetic voice is dim, and we're like getting desperate. Well, in our region was a man he was a vineyard pastor at the time named Randy Clark. Some of you might know him. He was very good friends with Happy. And he shared with Hap that he, he was just as dry as a bone and he had encountered God afresh. He actually came, he ministered. We're like, okay, something's going on. He, he has met God afresh. Well, we go to a vineyard meeting in Palm Springs, California and another vineyard pastor from Toronto, Canada comes up to Happy and says, I'm so desperate for God. I'm so hungry. He said, you know what? I'm going to South America. I heard he's moving powerfully down there. And Hap, I mean, this is how Hap prophesies. Uh, hey, why are you doing that? Why don't you just invite Randy Clark up to your church? He found God. It was a very prophetic word, actually. 
So John Arnott invites Randy Clark to his church in January 1994. Randy begins to speak. Two days later, they call Hap and they go, oh my goodness, revival has broken out. You have got to get up here. Happy, again, his most famous prophetic miss, uh, that thing will die down in two weeks. Almost 30 years later, it's still going on. <laughs> and it went around the world, right? It was so, so powerful. But it was very messy, very, very messy, which that, again, that's detailed in that book if you want more um, De uh, details about that. Uh, people left the vineyard. We stayed in the vineyard. We stayed open to the Holy Spirit. We, our hunger was satisfied. We had a great outpouring here. Many young people's lives were, were changed. And uh, we stayed committed to the spiritual gifts, which bring me to the very last lesson. And that is, if we're going to have messes, if we're going to have misses, if we're going to stay passionate for spiritual gifts, if we're going to be hungry, then this is it. Be committed to a healthy prophetic community. Okay? Folks, there's a lot of Lone Ranger prophets and prophetesses on the internet. I'm not saying they're all bad, but I have found for the most part, if they're not submitted to a local church, I don't want to hear what they have to say, okay? Because the church is what God is building. That is Jesus' passion. And we are the light of the world and we are the salt of the earth, not just the vineyard, but the church. Okay, so... You know, many false prophets are going to arise, Jesus said. You're going to need one another. And that's why here we're training people. We have a prophetic community. You can get more information uh, from me if you want that. People, everyone is welcome to, to join that, to be part of that, because we want to be a people who truly hear the voice of God. We want to speak creatively into our lives, into our community, into our world, that he can confirm with signs following that Jesus is Lord and that people can trust him. And so I want to encourage you today, don't scorn that gift of prophecy. Never restrain the fire of the Holy Spirit. And let's all be eager to embrace spiritual gifts, especially that we might prophesy. So Father, we're grateful for your grace that has sustained us through all of it. And we sense a greater outpouring of this gift among us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.